another episode of the Modern Data Show where we have the pleasure of speaking to Matteo Pelati and Vivek Gudapuri, the co-founders of Doza. With an impressive background as software architects, manager and entrepreneurs, Matteo and Vivek brings over 20 years of experience in software engineering and management to the table. Previously, they have been involved in groundbreaking projects that have pushed the boundaries of what's possible in the data management and analysis. Now, as the co-founders of Dozer, Matthew and Vivek are leading the charge in revolutionizing the industry with innovative solutions. Join us today as we delve into their journey and gain insights from their vast knowledge and expertise in the field. Welcome to the show, Matthew and Vivek. Thank you. Hello. Thank you. So, uh, guys, you know, let's start with the very first, you know, basic introductions. You know, tell us a little bit more about, about your background and how did you guys got together in terms of building uh, Dozer? Yeah, so we we basically started our journey uh, last year. It's uh, less than a year that uh, that uh, that we started. Me and Vivek, we have been uh, really good friends for the last uh, ten years. We have been living in Singapore for ten years. We actually met uh, uh, during our first job in Singapore uh, when when we were working for a Sequoia-based company here. And uh, we were always, we have been iterating over different ideas in these 10 years. And then that, and we were so convinced about Dozer uh, that we decided to, to start, uh, start something. A little bit about my background. I'm coming more from a, uh, a mix of uh, experiences between startups uh, and uh, financial services. Uh, always in the data space, I've been in... Uh, uh, I've been in the early days uh, part of the data robot, actually, which was uh, quite successful. And after that, I moved to DBS Bank, where I basically built the uh, the data the data team there. And uh, later on, moved to Goldman Sachs, where I was uh, leading the data group for Asia Pacific. And uh, you know, after these experiences, I saw a lot of opportunities in building something like Dozer. And yeah, I just Propose it to be back, and here we are, just just uh, uh, eight months after that 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 we started. Yeah. So uh, personally, we came across this problem multiple times in our previous experiences, and we solved this in multiple different ways. And we realized every company uh, has to do some amount of data plumbing themselves because uh, there's a lot of innovation in in the data space. There are many many companies that do very nice things, but when it comes to data serving, we still realize that companies end up building a lot of things from scratch, uh, integrating several platforms to achieve the, the purpose of data serving. And uh, we wanted to productize that. So that's where, that's where, that's where we come in. Myself, I've, uh, since, uh, since I worked with Matthew 10 years, almost uh, 10, 12 years ago, actually, uh, I've always been in startups mostly. Uh, I was involved with a few successful startups, uh, mainly startups, Series A, Series B. Some of them had an exit. I was also a CTO for a publicly listed company in Australia. Uh, so uh, I've held, uh, uh, you know, leadership positions, CTO positions, managed product data and engineering teams across uh, Singapore, Eastern Europe, and uh, uh, Vietnam, India, several other places. That's a little about me. Awesome. And before we, you know, kind of uh, go all in into uh, Dozer and kind of exploring the details of Dozer, what's the elevator pitch of Dozer? Uh, help us understand in the simplest words, what does Dozer actually do? Point us at the data servers, get APIs in minutes. That's what Dozer can do. Brilliant. Perfect. So, uh, you know, let's start with the, you know, the very first question is, how did you identify the need of a solution like Dozer into the market? And like, what were the challenges that you really saw in the, you know, the real-time data processing that kind of motivated you to build this product? 
Yeah, I think I I can take so I can tell more about this with a, with an interesting story. So uh, having worked uh, in different organization and and the let's say the aha moment came when I was at uh, at DBS. At DBS we uh, we built an entire uh, data API infrastructure layer that needed to uh, connect multiple source systems. Uh, uh, do some real-time data processing, uh, uh, prepare the data uh, for it to be served through the mobile banking app. And, you know, this seems uh, apparently a very simple task, but in reality, it's more complex than, than, than it seems. And uh, when you venture into something like this, uh, you have to put a lot of different tools together and uh, and and stick them together with 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 custom code. And uh, one of the most painful parts is maintaining all this infrastructure. And uh, sometimes uh, it uh, is not really necessary to build such a complicated system, especially uh, if you don't have that uh, that that uh, volume of data. Uh, um, you don't really need a fully distributed system. Uh, so that's when uh, when uh, uh, the uh, we started thinking about Dozer, saying how about uh, we could build something that simplifies the entire process. Instead of putting together all these pieces, we can create a solution, a what we call a data API backend that can go all the way from the sources uh, down to the to the serving part. That's how. Uh, we identified the solution. And uh, DBS was a case. I saw a similar case in, uh, in, uh, in Goldman Sachs. Uh, and Vivek had uh, um, and encountered similar cases as well. So we said, maybe there is, a, there is an interesting aspect. Yeah, and uh, that, that's pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, can you help us understand how does this thing whole thing work? Because I believe there would be so many moving elements in this. You know, you're talking about real-time data extraction from the source systems. You're talking about stuff like caching. You're talking about stuff like scheduling, uh, you know, you know, indexing stuff. You know, uh, it's, it's a pretty complicated stack, stack, right? So walk us through your kind of, you know, how it works kind of a thing. Uh, walk us through your, what's the stack under the hood? Like, you know, tell us about a little bit about what's your database systems? Uh, how are you managing streams? How are you managing caching? How are you managing scheduling? Walk us through how, how all of these, you know, kind of, you know, huge pieces kind of working together to give the end users a simplified API experience of just querying the source system directly. At a very high level, when we talk about Dozer's architecture, so we, we have a streaming SQL engine that can take in data in terms of a stream where you could write SQL on top of data and columns, just like you would query a relational database. And the output of that is put into a uh, cache built on top of LMDB. LMDB is, uh, is very low level and it's very performant. So we have built secondary indexes on top of that to power APIs for queries. So you could do MongoDB style queries on top of pre-materialized data. So that's the, that's the end-to-end kind of flow of what we do. And uh, from a connector standpoint, you could control what data you want to move, how you want to move it, if it's real time, if it's done in a schedule. That's what, that's what developers can do. So with a simple configuration, you can say that you're moving data from several source systems, uh, put a SQL in place to combine data and produce uh, data that needs to be cached. And you have APIs that get automatically generated based on the output of SQL. 
in terms of gRPC and REST. And because we control data movement end-to-end, -end, we also, end-to-end uh, -end is controlled through dozer types. So all the types uh, we control, and that's why we could actually control the performance as well. And uh, protobuf uh, and open API documentation is also out of the box because of that. So with a simple YAML configuration, you could actually combine data and aggregate data and produce APIs, all, all with a simple configuration. And uh, each of these steps is configurable in such a way that you could, you could uh, implement custom, custom components on top of it. And this is, this is quite a refreshing take on the existing modern data stack, right? Because uh, what we're seeing in the modern data stack is uh, there is a kind of a Cambrian explosion of tools which allows companies to, you know, collect data from these operational systems, put it into a data warehouse, build an analytics layer, put in a BI, and be able to actually consume this data. This is quite a different day. Uh, why? Why do you think was the need of such a kind of a, it's kind of a contrarian uh, approach to the whole modern data stack, right? Why? Why did, that, why, 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 why did you take this approach? Okay, uh, the, so that's a, 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 how you brought it up is very interesting because uh, uh, that's not really uh, necessarily goes against data stack. The way we approach the problem is that uh, you can source data from uh, either uh, data warehouses like Snowflake or, or Databricks and uh, your uh, source system as well. So you have a choice. So if you are okay to uh, get data with a certain delay, uh, you can get it from your data warehouse, but if you want real-time data, you get it from the source. Uh, since you brought up the, the new data stack, it's interesting because if you look at data, the data stack uh, uh, diagram, you see a lot of uh, arrows going in, like ingestion, uh, tools like Airbyte, tools like Pipetrain, and you see a few arrows going out, like for example, reverse ETL and dashboarding. And what you don't see is a platform that is specifically designed to serve data and integrate data in a customer application. And that's where we fit very well in the data stack ecosystem. So we take care of data, wherever that data is coming from, could be from a uh, data warehouse or source system, and we make it very easy for a user to prepare the data to be integrated in customer-facing application and with all the serving and API aspect. Yeah, and how did you guys decide like which parts of the whole data processing pipelines to handle in a kind of a plug-and-play fashion versus kind of giving full configurability to the customers? Yeah, so uh, all the way from a real-time SQL engine, each of the SQL operators, uh, we, have ex we have made it available that's one of our motivations to be open source as well, where uh, developers can actually build custom operators in Wasm, in other languages as well, down the line, uh, to be able to uh, modify the functionality of SQL. Similarly, we also kind of made it possible to extend connectors, which means you can bring more connect connectors to the table, uh, what you want to integrate with. And on top of that, from an API functionality standpoint, soon we will have a middleware or functionality where you could actually customize the functionality of API behavior, right? So each of these steps is customizable. But if you want something uh, something which is already working in, in terms of what Dozer can provide, you could do that with a simple configuration. So that's, that's the way we have, uh, that's the main reason for our open source approach as well. As we know, we are taking on a big scope and uh, we would not be able to cover all the cases that users would want. And we made each of these steps customizable. Got it. And uh, 
how do you ensure that uh, uh, the the latency of the data queries and API responses are as minimum as possible? And, uh, uh, you know, let's just take an example. For example, let's say a customer have uh, one of their operational systems, let's say, you know, Salesforce, where you have uh, kind of a source of record for the CRM data, right? And uh, what I believe and what I understood what those would be able to help them is give them an API that allows them to directly integrate and query the Salesforce data from an API uh, versus them having to write a whole ETL to put it into all of this data into data warehouse and then building an application layer on the top of that. How do you ensure the latency in this case? You know, is the data being fetched just in time with the query or is there is a kind of a scheduling that goes under the hood that kind of syncs all the data into a kind of an intermediary place on the top of which the APIs are being served? Uh, how how does that work, and what what are the some of the kind of optimizations that you have done on that part? Uh, you know, Vivek, if you would like to take that. Sure. So, uh, what we do actually is based on your SQL query, we move all the data into a cache, and your queries directly hit the cache. And because it's coming out of an LMDB, the response times are really really low because this is where we pre-optimize the queries, pre-materialize the views, and move the data into a very fast read-only cache. So uh, in theory, we actually move, take a copy of all the data in the form of the transformations you have put in place. And uh, based on the SQL you have put in place, it becomes a, a full uh, DAG processor in a way, like with multiple. So if we move data based on aggregations, you construct several nodes. All of that will basically, the sync of that processor uh, processing pipeline would be a cache. And you can query the cache. And you can distribute the cache on several nodes or a single node, so we can easily kind of scale the deployment as well. So this is the opinionated approach as well, where we don't actually query the source system, rather we query, we move the data into a cache and cache is very fast for queries. Understood. And uh, I also happen to notice that, you know, uh, Dozer is built uh, on the Rust programming language. And uh, uh, can you elaborate on why Rust was chosen as the foundation of your platform? Like what specific benefits or features of Rust uh, kind of aligned with your uh, goals and requirements. Yeah, this is a, this is a very good question actually. Um, so we uh, coming from a data background, you know, data has been traditionally be based on on JVM tool based tools, uh, Java or Scala. Uh, but you know that comes uh, with, uh, the, the, with with some pain actually managing in production uh, software runs from the JVM uh, with all the GC etc. That's that's quite uh, that's quite difficult. Uh, Rust uh, uh, gave us an opportunity to have incredible performance uh, without the pain of memory manager of C++. And uh, if you look at uh, the, uh, the landscape of what's happening in the data engineering space, uh, people have started to realize this, that, uh, that uh, uh, you can uh, squeeze uh, more CPU cycles uh, and having much more performant tool, especially in the data space, that's that's where you need these tools. Uh, add on top of that, new processors that we have, uh, most of the ARM-based processor, uh, where uh, where that can that can give you a uh, core scalability. So today is possible to run on fundamentally a single machine. What would have uh, what it would have required before a distributed system. Uh, so that's why we believe uh, Rust is going to be the future of data engineering. 
and uh, and that's the reason why we decided to use Rustin. Right, and uh, you know, Matteo, uh, a follow up question is um, since Dozer provides like a kind of a comprehensive solution that takes care of the whole data, mo- data you know, movement, you know, from the source systems and the whole transformation and the whole API generation, kind of everything in a single layer. Where do you think, like, for your customers, uh, what would this mean for your customers, for existing people, let's say, who have uh, separate tools like, you know, maybe Airbyte or Fivetran for data ingestion and then uh, uh, data warehouse and then you have an analytics layer, maybe Elasticsearch uh, to be able to serve this data. What does it really mean for them? What would be your call to those people? Well, it uh, what it means for them is that... Uh, it uh, simplifies the entire uh, development uh, phase. And uh, another important aspect is that, you know, in a, in a bigger company, there is always a time constraint between uh, uh, the data engineering team and the product engineering team. And, uh, you know, when product engineering team requires some, some data inside, that should depend on the data engineering team to get them. And, and that's where sometimes problems come. With Dozer, uh, a, we empower a single engineer to build uh, what, he, what you need to be embedded in your, in your customer-facing application end-to-end. You can uh, source your data from data warehouse or source system. You can do all the transformation you want, and automatically you get your API with all the, with all the menu. So we fundamentally, we enable the single data engineer or even the single product engineer to own the entire site. That's that's very interesting, and I, I think that's very powerful. So, uh, Vivek, uh, tell us a little bit more about what were the biggest technical challenges that you and your team faced while building Dozer. Yeah, I mean, just to just to follow up on the previous point, right? I mean, we are talking about what would typically take an entire EDL tool, uh, an entire Elasticsearch, entire streaming database. That's what Dozer solves end to end. So there are today verticals of products solving a problem very nicely, comprehensively. So we have chosen to uh, chosen to build an end-to-end experience for developers where we solve a part of ETL, a part of streaming database, part of a caching layer, on top of that, uh, a part of API orchestration. So we have dealt with some of the more difficult problems and it has been a challenge to, being developers, we also quickly gravitate towards the hardest problems rather than what solves the product problems. So it has been, a very interesting journey so far. So we have uh, consciously chosen the right problems to take on. Uh, while we have built an entire streaming SQL engine, we have dealt with some database problems here. And uh, we have built secondary indexes and how data is to be cached and queried. So there are some query engine uh, capabilities that we have built. And in terms of how data types uh, have to move around, and uh, we also care about query latency as well as uh, data latency in terms of how fast the data moves. So we cared about performance, we cared about user experience. There are, we, we had to solve some of the fundamental uh, problems all the way from scratch. Because, yeah, and just a follow-up to that, uh, Vivek, uh, you know, I saw in your TechCrunch article about uh, saying that uh, Dozer takes an opinionated approach, right? Tell us more about that. What do you mean by that opinionated approach? So uh, just to kind of, I mean, this is kind of what uh, what we just discussed as well in a way. So. Today, uh, for, a, for a company looking to build data APIs out of data coming out of, let's say if you have several microservices to build APIs on top of that, you would create a, a, a intermediate layer where data gets combined and stored. And on top of that, you would use something else to build APIs. 
Typically, you would put put a Kafka in place or a message queue in place. Redis and Elasticsearch, several things come into play. So uh, this easily talks about a few months of effort and uh, maintenance. Every time you change schema on one one end, you have to think about API versioning on another end. So there's several moving parts. So Dozer takes an opinionated approach of we want to simplify and unify all of this development, right? So a single developer with a single configuration now can say, I want to uh, create a new version of API with a single command. You have two versions of API that are deployed in a blue-green blue cache way, and you can migrate data in a very, very easy fashion. So this is our opinionated approach. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Th thanks for that. So uh, uh, another follow-up question is regarding your licenses, right? So Dozer is not currently... Not quite open source, but you know, you guys plan to switch to a dual license soon. So, one is help us understand this license and uh, tell us uh, why did you choose this licensing model and the trade offs that you considered for that? That's right. So, uh, this was a, a kind of a debated topic even from our community. So, since then, we have switched to Apache v2 license for our core. So, now it's fully open source uh, in the in the in the in the dev. By, by what is it, what is uh, uh, okay with the community. So we have switched to the open source model. The reason for us to choose Elastic V2 license before was uh, was to kind of give us give ourselves a head start, not to kind of uh, prohibit people from going to production. We always wanted people to be able to uh, self-deploy and self-host in production. That was never the that was never a question for us. It was more to protect ourselves from the big boys to take our code and run a parallel service. So uh, what, what is available today, the main core, Dozer core, is fully available in Apache V2. You can take that, you can, you can work on top of that, you can deploy it yourself. All of that is possible. Uh, we, we have a separate commercial offering called Dozer Cloud, where we scale and host and manage your deployments for you. This is for uh, commercial, this is the commercial offering. Understood. Thanks, thanks for that. So, uh, Matteo, uh, are there any kind of notable success stories or use cases of companies or developers who have already implemented Dozer that you would like to share with us? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, we are very early in, the, in our journey. Actually, we just open source a few months ago. Uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, the, uh, the journey has been quite exciting. So in just a couple of months, we, uh, we got to a thousand stars on GitHub. We started getting uh, a traction of developer uh, using it. Uh, now we are actually uh, working together with some of our open source users, as well as uh, uh, talking about, uh, let's say, more POC with, uh, with enterprises. And uh, this ranges from uh, gaming company to, to telco to financial services, actually. Uh, obviously, I cannot say names here because we are talking to them, but that's... that's uh, uh, that's what we are we are working on actually, and we are happy about the the the, the progress that is uh, how the pro how things are progressing. Amazing, and uh, you know, as we inch closer towards the end of the episode, let me uh, kind of uh, leave you guys with one last question: Is looking ahead, how do you see the role of real time data processing evolving in the future? Like, what trends and developments do you anticipate that will impact the industry and how are you guys positioned to adopt to these changes? Yeah, I, it's uh, well, it's very interesting. I mean, we even uh, among uh, enterprises actually that are usually the last ones adopting new uh, new technology, we see an increasing usage of real time processing. I mean, the people are 
enterprise uh, companies are realizing the value of enterprises, uh, sort of the value of uh, real-time processing. And uh, for those, uh, that's extremely important because, uh, you know, uh, if you um, if you generate a dashboard, um, it's okay to have a dashboard that is uh, generated once a day or twice a day. Uh, but if you are starting to integrate data in your customer-facing application, uh, not for all the data, but for a good part of this data, it needs to be real-time. So need to be real-time means that you have to be connected to um, to uh, your source systems. Uh, so that becomes uh, extremely important. The second aspect is not just the, uh, let's say, the uh, consumption of data, visualization of data, but is the uh, interaction with the, with, the, with the source system itself. And uh, on that note, for example, we, we are releasing a new feature. We have it in, in, in data right now that what we call a uh, change data function that allows basically to an application to react uh, to some data changes and take actions. And could be like sending messages, could be like writing back to the source system. And uh, this, for this feature, it requires uh, real time to be. So uh, the, the, what we think is that the moment you go closer to your customer, the moment you want to provide uh, uh, real value to your customer, you need to integrate uh, with your data system in real time. And that's where we believe in general, uh, why we believe in general, real-time system will, will be growing. You know, I, I, I love that phrase, uh, change data function, you know, good play on the word change data capture. So I, I, I love it. You know, would love to give it a try one day. So uh, guys, uh, thank you so much. You know, with that uh, note, we'd love to close this episode for today. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been such a pleasure hosting you guys and learning more about Doza. Wish you all the best. And uh, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much.